Welcome to Arbor Bridge Church's weekly podcast with your teacher, Daryl Canty. Arbor Bridge Church exists to bridge the gospel and our community by connecting people to Jesus and each other. Visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com. Um, dear Father, uh, I pray that you would teach us uh, like, like Johannes was singing for us to, to make you our solid rock, make you our foundation, to build our life on, uh, on you. And I, I pray that, uh, that we wouldn't take that casually or as a metaphor, or we, we, would, we would take it um, seriously and make it literal, that everything about our lives is based on and around you. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so my, uh, my daughter... Uh, Silver inspired me to read a book um, called The Hiding Place uh, by a woman named Corey Tinboom. Uh, Corey Tinboom's a, a Dutch watchmaker, and she, um, she and her sister Betsy and her father uh, hid Jews in their house during World War II. Um, and so they end, up, they end up getting in trouble for that and get sent to, sent to a prison and concentration camp. So their, their most impressive work or their most powerful work isn't hiding Jews, which is really, really interesting. When you start reading The Hiding Place, you find out that the most, the most powerful work that they do isn't hiding Jews. It's, it's their love for people, um, including their enemies, the German soldiers. And it's the, the hiding of the Jews is brave and courageous, but the, 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 the loving of German soldiers is insanity. It is, it is, is so powerful. So on one occasion, Corey and her sister uh, are in this room, uh, this super cold room all together, no clothes on. The, the soldiers have forced them to take their clothes off. And, you know, Corey's beside herself having to, having to do that. And while they're standing there, Corey and her sister, Betsy, are watching uh, a, a concentration camp matron beat this prisoner. And on that occasion, this, this conversation happened between, the, between Corey and her sister. Um, <clears throat> oh, that poor woman, Corey cried. Yes, may God forgive her, Betsy replied. And once again, Corey realized that it was for the souls of the brutal Nazi guards that her sister prayed. This one conversation was, was, was certainly a... It's a summary or it's a picture of what Betsy was like the whole time of, of uh, you know, during World War II. Betsy ends up dying before World War II is over. So after the war, though, after the war, inspired by Betsy's selfless love, um, forgiveness, uh, Corey starts his home. That's basically it's for people who experience the terrible things that happened in World War II. And it's a, it's a place to heal, it's a place to get better, it's a place to, to, you know, to process what awful things happen to you. And so she serves all the people who went through the war, including German soldiers uh, who, who were part of the work that the Nazis did. The kind of response that the Timbooms had towards evil doesn't happen by accident. It doesn't happen because you want it to. It doesn't happen because you're inspired by their story. It, 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 
It doesn't happen by accident. They didn't know it, but their whole lives, and when you read the book, they give you like a prelude to the war. Their whole lives, they were preparing for these moments of World War II. They were preparing for how they should act, and they prepared for it by, with laser focus. So and they had an example, obviously. They had an example. So after being kicked and beat and slapped and spit on and finally crucified, Jesus said this, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And Jesus taught extravagant forgiveness for his enemies, even in the face of extreme cruelty. And after he taught it, after he talked about it, and we all love this. We all love this. When we see, when you have somebody talk about something and then you see them doing it, he talked about it and then he said, let me show you. Watch me. Watch me. And the Tim Boom studied him and copied him. And, and when difficult times came, they were ready. They, they executed what Jesus had executed 2,000 years before. So, that kind of love seems out of reach for me. That kind of love seems, seems out of reach. When, when I read it, I, I like it, um, and I think it looks, sounds good, um, but I don't do the work to be ready to do it. And, but that's the ideal. That's the ideal that we're called to. That's, that's the thing. So listen to the story Jesus once told. He says this. The kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. Now, as he began the settlement... A man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. So two things, two things. So when Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like, what he means is, what he means is, is if you're a Jesus follower, this is what you're going to act like. If, if, if God's kingdom reign extends to your life or extends to your heart, then this is what you'll do. So when he starts off, God's kingdom is like, this, this, that's what he means. So you listen close to what the story says. Listen close to what the story says. Then Jesus, um, he, when he says, he, he launches into this story about a king who wants to settle accounts. Someone gives him, you know, someone owes this king 10,000 bags of gold. So the second thing is this, second thing is this. Some versions of the Bible say 10,000 talents of gold. Um, and that's, that's, not a, that's not a word that we're, we're familiar with under, other than, you know, talents like things you're good at. So a talent was like a denomination of money or a measurement in, the, in, in Bible times. So and oftentimes in Bible times, they would measure, they'd measure money according to how much work you could get done in a day. So one talent of gold was worth like 6,000 days of work. So you're talking about 16 and a half years to earn one talent of gold. And this guy owes 10,000 talents of gold. So now you have, now you have context. And again, so when I was getting ready for this, this is, that's not a context I really understood before. When Jesus says 10,000 talents of gold, his audience would have been like, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants, uh, with his servants, and, and um, as, a settle, as, he, as he began the settlement, the man who owed him ten thousand bags of gold, ten thousand talents, sixty million years, sixty million days of work, he was brought to him. And since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged. 
and I will pay back everything. And that's the ideal, right? Ideally, if you borrow money, you pay it back. But the servant can't meet the ideal in any way. Even though he begs, he begs for patience, he says, oh, please, and I'll pay it all back. Everybody in the room knows you can't pay that back. There's no way. There's no way. You can can work your whole life and you still haven't paid it back. So in in the story that Jesus tells, the, the king forgives the debt of the servant and doesn't require him to pay it back. And immediately, in a second, all his debt's gone. And like with a decision. With a, a decision that just happens. He doesn't, the king doesn't do anything. He just makes a decision in his mind, in his heart. Listen to how the servant reacts towards someone who, who's in debt to him. When the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins and he grabbed him and choked, began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. So again, a couple things, a couple things. The amount that the servant is owed in this part of the story is so much salt, so much smaller than, uh, than what's been forgiven. Um, what the servant is owed is about 100 days of work. 100 days of work, which is not small, but it, it, it can be paid back over time. And obviously the point is that the difference between how patient Christ has been with me compared to how patient I have to be with others is astronomical. It's astronomical. So when you put this in terms of money, it looks ridiculous. It looks, it, it, it looks, it looks gross. Um, I, I'm forgiven $14 million and I, can't be, and I can't forgive you for $14? It's put in the terms of money so that we can see how petty it is, how gross it is. And, and clearly, clearly though, clearly this is what we do between each other. This is what we do between each other. So the, the difference between what you have to forgive others and what God has forgiven of you is impossibly big. It's impossibly big. So God has forgiven so much of you. How could you not forgive others when you have so much less to forgive? God has forgiven so much of you. How could you not forgive others when you have so much less to forgive? Do you think that's true of Corey and Betsy Timbu? Do, do, you, do they really have that much less to forgive of others than God has to forgive of them seeing all of the ridiculous, terrible things that's happened to them? I mean, can that really be true? Again, you should, you should read this book. If they were here, they would say, yes, of course, yes. They wouldn't hesitate to tell you, yes, God has infinitely more to forgive of me than I have to forgive of others, even though all these ridiculous things have happened to me. They understand the reason that Christ had to die is their sin. So the ideal given to us by Christ and shown to us by Betsy and Corey is to love your enemies, forgive gross, ridiculous wrongs done against you because God has forgiven you. 
through Christ. So instead, instead, instead of reading this, instead of reading the hiding place, instead of hearing about this kind of extravagant forgiveness or Jesus saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Instead of just writing that off and saying, that's impossible. That's Jesus. That's really nice for superhero Christians. But I can't do that. Instead of writing it off, what if we determined I'm going to forgive that way? I'm going to act that way. Towards people who are ridiculous to me, I will do it. In just the same way as if we were watching something on some weightlifting competition on television and somebody lifted something super heavy, we said, and we said, I'm going to do that. You're not going to get up off your couch and be able to do it immediately, but if you determine to do it, you can do it. And if you don't get to it, you can get closer. What if instead of looking at and saying that's not possible, Instead of blowing it off, blowing off that command because you've heard it so many times or you don't think you can do it, let's say, let's learn it together. Let's learn it together. So I'm going to confess, do a little confession with you, confession time. So that's, sorry if you. In my car, there's this gauge that tells me how hot my, my, the system in my car is getting. Um. and if I, if I ignore it, it will, it will damage my car permanently. Uh, <clears throat> but I have something called coolant. And I add that coolant to the system and it helps my car to not overheat. If I remove all the coolant from the system though, even if on a super cold day like today, if I start my car and it's cold and I start driving around, it's not going to take very long before it gets before it gets hot and it will, it will break if I keep driving. It won't take very long. It won't take very long. As a Jesus follower, it is surprising to me how quickly my anger moves into the red zone. Very hot, very quickly because of how I'm treated. I am, and again, I'm easily baited into arguments, baited into anger. I can easily be baited into bad behavior. Not Christ-like at all. Not Christ-like at all. And I, and I often don't have the coolant of the, the, the word, of God's word of the Holy Spirit running through my system. So as I'm going through life, as I'm moving around, it's even more likely for me to, And it doesn't even take that much. It doesn't even take that much. I want, here's what I want. Here's what I want. I want Christ to be able to count on me to forgive quickly, to wait patiently, to love my enemies, and to not be easily baited into bad behavior. I want to be radical as Corey and Betsy and ready to respond that generously to people who we might call our enemies. But to be, I, w- I want to become it. I want to become it. So I- I've shared with you, I shared with you guys last week, um, the way that we become it is practicing third place kind of love. Third place kind of love. What I, what I, what I, third place kind of love. 
And, and what I said was this. I said, Christ is in first place in your life. And what that means is when he says, love your enemies, you say, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm going to make that happen. And so then you put all your enemies and everybody else you love into second place. And then you move your behind down to third place, which when you're in third place and you're reminding yourself of that, and you're saying third place, embrace third place. This is where I'm at. This is where I'm supposed to be. Then you are more ready when ridiculous things happen to you to love your enemies. Christ first, others second, ourselves third. Last week, we, 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 we described what that looks like. We said love is patient. And patience is this. Patience is this. Patience is when I'm willing to go someone else's pace instead of insisting on my own. This week, I want us to describe a few more ways that uh, we can put this into practice, then I'll be done. So listen to this. Listen to this. It says, if I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I, that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing which is such a strong statement. I want to say that something about that just a second. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. So if I hide Jews in my house during the Holocaust, but don't have love, I gain nothing. Who thinks like that? Who talk? I mean, but outside the Bible, that wouldn't even occur to us to even dare say out loud. But that is what it says. That is what it says. Love must come first. That is why it's so important that Tim Boom didn't just hide Jews, but loved Nazis and racists. Here's how. Love is kind. So here's what kindness means. Here's what kindness means. Um, so often we, we, we read this, we say love is kind, but let's, let's get on the same, let's be all on the same page about what it means. Here's what it means. Choosing to loan someone else your strength instead of reminding them of their weakness. So in the story that Jesus told about the king who was collecting his accounts, the king comes to a man who was basically owed him the world. He owed him the world. He did, he, the servant can't pay. And the king says, take his wife, take his kids, put him in prison. And if you're, if you're a dad out there, you know there's so much shame when your family has to face consequences before your mistakes. The worst. The worst. So at this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I'll pay back everything. And the king knows that's not true. That's not true. I can be patient as I, that can't happen. And it doesn't take a mathematician to know that. The master servant took pity on him, canceled the debt, let him go. That's kindness. The king takes his financial strength and says, I'm going to leverage my financial strength for your weakness. For somebody who can't help themselves, I'm going to, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that for you. Kindness is when you cover me in some way that, that I don't have the possibility to cover myself in. And most, most of the time, most of the time, isn't it true? That you don't need anybody to remind you of where you failed. Like, kindness is when I use my strength for you and I don't have to remind you about how bad you are. 
What you need often is someone who will lend you their strength without having to gloat or be angry. Um, and, and We all interact with people who don't deserve but need our kindness instead of us. <laughs> so I'm at the grocery store. I've shared this with some of you guys before. I'm at the grocery store in the checkout line. And this is around Thanksgiving. And I'm trying to social distance. I'm trying to wear a mask. I'm trying to be cool. And the dude who's in the line ahead of me tells me I need to step back. Now, again, if you know me close, I don't like to be told what to do. I sure don't like to be told what to do by a stranger. If you want to social distance from me, then you need to take a step ahead. I mean, he asked, he said that to me, and I'm telling you, I'm like, who are you talking to? I want, here's what I want. And again, this is nothing. This is, no, nobody's slapping my wife. No one's doing anything. This is nothing. And I'm already here. I want Christ to be able to depend on me to respond to respond well. And I can't, if I can't do it on such a simple level, then maybe he's not going to be able to count on me when he actually needs me to do something. So kindness is me lending my strength to him. I, yes, sir, no problem. I can step right back for you. You need some space? Is this far enough? Is this good? You need me? I can do that. And if I can't, then why would I call myself a Jesus follower? Love is patient. Love is kind. It is not proud. So when you're not proud, you allow others to shine or succeed. And love isn't threatened by other people's success. So I've rolled this over in my mind. Um, so when I, when I was reading, when I'm reading this story, this parable that Jesus tells of a king who forgives the servant, I'm, rolling, I'm going over in my mind, why would a servant who's been forgiven so much not forgive others when it's so little? It doesn't make sense. Uh, in the story, Jesus told the servant is forgiven the debt. And as he's leaving the king's presence, he's walking out of the king's presence he finds someone on the way who owes him something. So it's, it, it, I just, just have been forgiven $14 million. And I find somebody who owes me $14. And I'm like choking him. It's mind blowing. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't make sense. It's not, it doesn't make sense. It's a huge win to have a debt like that forgiven. Why wouldn't he pass that win on to others? And, and, here's, and here's why. Here's, here's why. Here's why. If you don't feel good about yourself, then it's hard to let other people forget, feel good about themselves, right? Maybe, and again, who knows? Maybe the servant is ashamed of the fact that he couldn't pay back what he owed. And he's, and he's dang it, if I'm ashamed, then you're going to be ashamed too. If Christ is first, if Christ is first, if he's our all, then we are free to think of 
others. We, get, we are free to think of what they want and what they need. We are free to let others shine and succeed. Uh, and and we, 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 know, we know how to do this. We know how to do this. And, and certainly, our country needs this now. From us Jesus followers, he needs, our country needs this so much now. So I, I want to give you a challenge, an example. I want to give you an example and a challenge. And again, if, if, my, if my example and my challenge upsets you, I'd love to hear from you. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. So, if you consider yourself a Democrat or close to that, Here's what, here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do. When a Republican does something good, I want you to celebrate it. I want you to post about it. When a Republican does something that you say, wow, that's right. That's the thing I want you to post about. That's the thing I want you to talk about. That's the thing I want you to bring up. Because here's what, here's what love does. Love is able to, to celebrate when somebody else does something good. And you, obviously, you can flip it. If you're a Republican, if, you can, if you're close to that, when a Democrat or some, some politician does something, some politician that you don't like does something that you do like, here's what I want you to do. That's the time I want you to do your political post. Look at what did. I'm, I love it. I'm impressed with that. That's what I want you to do, and that's what I want you to talk about because Christians, Jesus followers, we are not proud and we can celebrate when people who we don't like do things that we do like. And clearly, this isn't, this isn't just politics. Do it in your life. That's my challenge. That's my example. That's what it means. And if you're not willing to do this, if you're not willing to do this, then you're not a Jesus follower. Because that's what Jesus does. And you're prideful. And you can't stand to see the other side win. That is wrong. That is sin. Love is patient. Love is kind. It's not proud. And it does not dishonor others. Said positively, love looks for ways to honor others. What can I do to make sure you get the glory? What can I do to show you great respect? What can I do to lift you up? What can I do to honor you? What can I do to protect your reputation? What can I do to save your dignity um, and guard your pride? What can I do to do those things? Um, I want Christ to be able to count on me to do that despite what others do. Um, and, and, and that I do it not because someone deserves to be honored, but because Christ honored me when I did not deserve to be honored. And, and for this to happen, for this to happen, I've got to get ready like I'm getting ready for a fight or getting ready for a battle. Um, I'm getting ready for, for a battle for eternity because that's what we're in, right? That's what we're in. Um, and and I've, I've got to be ready because my first reaction is not going to be my best reaction. My first reaction is going to be anger and disappointment. Honor. So in the story that Jesus told, the servant leaves the king's presence and sees the person who owes him money. And when he sees him, he loses it. He grabs him and chokes him, even after being forgiven so much. So, and again, if you're like me, you have people like that in your life. When, you, when you're scrolling on Facebook and you see a picture of him, you're like, I hate that dude. Ugh. He doesn't have to do anything or say anything. You see them, you see that person, and I don't like them. You and me have to be ready 
because we are in a battle for souls. So my relationship with you needs to be a submission competition. How we need, it needs to be a race to third place. I, I want that for us. And in order to have it, it is going to be a fight. So if I come up to you and I say, hey, listen, somebody's got my wife at the bar and they're like beating the crap out of her. Check it out. We need to go fight that dude. That, when, you, when I say that to you, you and I, we have a different perspective in our minds. And I say, hey, you want to go up to Qdoba and eat? eat lunch together because when you're going to the bar to save my wife you know you're going to a fight you take gotta take off my glasses and set them aside because check it out we're about but most of my life i'm walking through my life unprepared for a fight walking into every place i go and this is just hanging out like the devil isn't there to fight me but every place that i go the devil is ready for a fight with me What can I do to make sure you get the glory? How can I act in a way that that gives you great respect? How can I protect your reputation? How can I guard your dignity and save your pride? So in just a few minutes, we're going we're gonna to take communion together. Um, and <clears throat> it's just a time during our worship service where we recommit our lives to Christ and put our focus on, on his death, his life, his resurrection, how he acted so that we can imitate it better. Um, and because, you know, like, like I've said already, you intend to be in third place, but you slip up to first over and over and over again. This is a time where we set ourselves back in third place and determine that we're going to stay there all this week. So I want to ask you to perfect, perfect the idea of third place right now. During this time of reflection of Christ, that you, you commit to preparing because the night will come. We know there will be trouble. We know the night will come. So get ready. Get ready. So when somebody says something, something rude to you, I don't want you to spend days and days going over how you could have responded to them I don't want you to roll over. So what I often daydream about is how I'm going to be ready to fight people physically if they do me wrong. I want to ask you to practice not doing that anymore. Not somebody could treat you dirty and you don't spend the next two days complaining about how awful they are. But that you and me will begin to practice intentionally daydream i want to ask you to daydream about being treated poorly and responding graciously then we will be ready for the night that is coming the night is going to come we must be ready and it will happen as we commit to practicing in our minds first what we physically want to play out he's overcome the world So that means so can we, so can we. Let's pray together before we take communion. Dear Father, there is certainly no doubt that you've called us to die. There is certainly certainly an element of, of, of what you say in your word that you want 
good things for us. And when you interpret that to mean well, you, you, you want us to have easy street as a life. But the, the, the first disciples never thought after your resurrection, they never thought of easy street as being their life. They thought, I'm going to give my life. I'm going to put myself to death so that Christ can get the glory. I pray that you would help us to be prepared. That this time of communion that we're going to have right now would be, would be just one of those moments we're preparing. Preparing for even just this afternoon. What's going, to, some, what's going to happen this afternoon? Something sideways happens to us this afternoon. We are ready. We are ready to respond graciously with love. Kindness to people who do not deserve kindness. I pray that you would make us ready. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. It says that in your word so that we can be prepared. It's a warning. I pray that we would not ignore that warning. and That we would be ready to embrace third place and not be able to be moved. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information on our church, visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com.